and pray for us. I just would really like to start off first with, I did a video of last year, you know, that wonderful year that we all had, 2020, uh, and some things that happened in 2020, and then what I'm going to do is just share a little bit of what's happened since then, but really I'm going to get more into that tonight because I want to share the word this morning. So if you want to click that video and you get an idea what has been going on down there. Thank you. 
Amen. Well, that gives you a little idea of, of last year and this year, you know, we've been opened up and closed down and now we're kind of in closed. I'm going to get more into that this evening. It's, but what a year is it. And thank you so much for last year. The village in St. Bite, um, there, it, it's a tourist area that we live in. We live in this African village, for those of you that don't know, but it's, it's in the middle of a, uh, a place people come down for snorkeling, you know, and, and vacations and things like that in Belize. And we have this poor village right in the middle of that. And, and so the people there work in the tourism industry. And when COVID came, there's no tourism. <laughs> and they don't, you know, have uh, bags of beans and rice on their shelves. They go every day to the market and get what they need to eat. And they didn't have anything. And so literally last year, we were able to, uh, for three months, our church was able to feed them for three months until we ran out of money. Uh, and then we had other organizations that helped out too. And the village had to be fed for about seven to eight months. And we were part of that. And you were part of that for three months of that. So thank you for that. What a, what a blessing. Now they've been working a little bit more. Things are a little bit better. And they're very family oriented. And so nobody's going to let anybody starve there. Uh, but it was, you know, it was pretty interesting. A little bit different than here because uh, if you can't eat, you're going to go get it somewhere. You know, and there was quite a, quite a few... Uh, foreigners that live there and that's where they would have went you know so uh, but we were able to help them out so that's a blessing and and, and on top of that they couldn't feed their animals and i don't know about you guys but you know we have a real heart for people obviously but for animals too and especially anna last year and and so almost every week uh anna was going through at least 50 pounds we we're buying 50 pounds of dog food every week and i was bagging them up and going through the village and making sure the animals uh, people had it, food to feed their animals and and we adopted uh, four, we had six cats, but four cats at our church, you know, because it's fenced in and they were safe there. And so every day we, we go down and feed them. Actually, you know, Ted, you know, one of the missionaries from our church here is down there feeding them every day for us right now and taking care of business. And, but those are the things I will share tonight and what God's been doing and how the church has grown and how God has really used the pandemic. Uh, so we'll go in more of that tonight. So if you want to come out, you know, come out and hear about that, hear about the good and the bad. We... You know, if, I tell you, if, if there's anything you would, for me to erase, I would like to erase this last month, one of the worst in my life. Uh, but if we would like to probably erase the whole last year, wouldn't we? <laughs> Except for God used it, so, you know, God is in control. But, you know, this morning I wanted to, Lord laid on my heart, uh, humility. Something that every one of us needs in our lives. So if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 5 through 7. Humility. Let's read this. First, Lord, this is your word. And Lord, if you don't minister your word to our hearts, it doesn't get done. Lord, I know nothing but you. Crucified. Shed your blood on the cross for our sin. Risen from the dead. That's all I know, Lord. So speak through me this morning and minister to our hearts, Lord. And as Pastor Gary prayed, Lord, that we'd get something out of this this morning that we could apply into our lives and be more like you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. The first four verses in this chapter, you know, he was speaking to leaders and elders of, you know, how to serve, how to serve the body of Christ, how to serve people. And, you know, we have in the word that Jesus giving us examples, I mean, washing feet, serving others, thinking of others first. And so here he comes along now in this verse and talks about humility and, being, and the younger people being submissive to the elders, you know, to, to respect the elders, elders in the church, and even elderly people, mature people in the Lord, to respect them. Calling them, all of us to a place of humility and servanthood to one another. To subject ourselves to one another. To, to think of others first in our lives. Because you know how it is. You, you, know, you wake up in the morning, you're thinking of yourself. But to think of others first. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And you know, when he says others there, he's not talking about which others, but others, other people. It doesn't matter who they are or, you know, what their position in life is, but other people, people you come in contact with, thinking what's better for them in the Lord. How can they know Jesus better? How can my life be laid down before the Lord so that when people see my life, they see Jesus? Because we know that this world is not doing so well right now. People, what do they need? You know, there's so many people in the world right now, even Christians, that think the, the answer is a vaccination. The answer is Jesus. Now, vaccinations, you know, that's between you and the Lord. We're not going in there. But Jesus is the answer. And we want people to, and to humble ourselves so that people see Jesus in our lives and not just us. The Lord was the perfect example of that. He walked to the cross. First of all, he humbled himself enough that he became a man. He came out of eternity and came to this earth and became a man. I mean, if you really think about that, that would be like you and I becoming a flea on a dog. You know, I mean, out of eternity, that place of perfection to come down here to this world that, you know, is just not doing so well. To show us what life was all about. To save us. That's humility. If, now, if he can do that, what can't you do to humble yourself in this world towards anybody? What can't you do when the Lord did that for you and I? He saved you. He saved me. My sin is forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Wow. What can't I do for him? No, I can do anything for him. That he calls me to. If I just submit myself to him. And humble myself. Why? You know. Why does the Lord say this? What, what is the reason? What, what, one thing is. Because God. He tells us to humble ourselves. Because he is opposed to the proud. To the haughty. He is opposed. 
Listen to what he says in Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Listen to what the Lord says. There are six things which the Lord hates. Boy, that ought to make your ears go up. You know, the Lord hates something? Yeah, there's six things he hates, it says right here. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. And the first thing he lists is haughty eyes. Pride. Haughty eyes. Better, you know, better than. You know, that kind of a thing. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife amongst, among brothers. I mean, there's a whole study right there. I just like to, I don't like just to read the first part because I just like to read it all because that's pretty powerful. But haughty eyes, pride. And we know what it says in Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before stumbling. Pride before a fall. Have you ever been there? Where you really, you know, thought you were something and next thing you know, you're on your face, you know, crawling along, eating dirt. There's some things in my life, you know, and I, I thought, you know, I'll give you a few examples of my life of, of times when, you know, the Lord, I mean, pride before a fall, I mean, whoa, you know. Like there was uh, years ago in the 1980s, for those of you, that was last century. In the 1980s, you know, uh, playing in a band. Matter of fact, you know, I was thinking, you were watching the worship team. Thank you, guys. Ah, oh, thank you. Just got to worship the Lord. I love it because in Belize, you know, Miss Anna and I, I call her Miss Anna because that's what we call each other down there. Uh, we always do the worship. So it's nice to be able just to sit there and just worship the Lord. Oh, you guys are so blessed to have this worship team up here. Why? Because they love Jesus and they draw you into the presence of the Lord, man. And what a place to be and just stay there. And, the, and I look over at my brother Lee on the drum and I think back to 1981 when we were in a band together. Lee was the first drummer in the first Christian band I was in, man. He was our drummer. You know? Oh, wow. And to see Jay ministering with us for years, and Julie with for all these years, and, and Sandy playing keyboard with me all the years I was here, you know, and, and to just be able to sit there and worship with them. Wow. Thank you. Sideline, sorry. But I played bass in this band, and we were doing a, a wedding from one a couple in our church that were getting married. You know, and in, in, in this band, you know, we'd had solo parts, and I was a bass player, and I had this big bass solo coming up, you know, you know, I was pumping it, you know, whoa, and I was going, man, I'm hot, <laughs> this is good, you know, as a musician, you know, the musicians got a little extra humility they need to be hit with sometimes, and I'm telling you, that bass solo ended, and I hit four notes, I don't even think are on the guitar or the bass guitar. And I went, bro. <laughs> did anybody look? Did anybody hear that? You know? Whoa, was I humble. Pride before a fall. Kabam. I mean, that's just in just life. Another time, recently, and maybe about eight years ago, in Belize, in this little peninsula we're on, there, there was this guy that had a lot of money and he liked the bowl. So he built a bowling alley, a four lane bowling alley. And then he kind of opened up to the public. And, and we had teams on the bowling alley. And we had Calvary Chapel. Oh, what a witness. You know, you can be a witness bowling. I'm telling you. Because here's the thing. Here, here's Calvary Chapel's bowling team. And then seven other teams. And they're party guys and older guys. And they're always drinking and stuff. And they're bowling and drinking. And guess what's happening with us? We're not drinking. We're solid bowling. We're winning all the time because they're getting drunk. So they actually, 
the, the owner one time said, you know, we need to get rid of Jim and his group because the sales are going down on alcohol because those guys wanted to win, so they quit drinking. <laughs> God works in mysterious ways. We developed great relationships with them. Another story. But during that time, the, the, the lady that owned the bowling alley, her and her husband, and um, this lady who was gay became a good friend of ours, you know, and, uh, you know, another story. But, you know, we really liked her and just shared the Lord with her, you know, like you're supposed to do. And, but her, uh, the two of them wanted to play Nervy and I, who was a, the elder in my church at that time, wanted to do a, uh, just a, a side little bowling thing. So we started playing the, these two women in bowling. And they had, you know, kind of good handicaps, and we had lower handicaps. And Nervy and I are playing, we're bowling, and we're whooping them, man. And I said, and they were there, I said, you know, Mr. Nervy, maybe we should just throw away our handicaps. We really don't need them. And Nervy looked at me and said, did you really say that? I tell you what, those ladies beat us. And we played them about six or seven times during that summer. We never won once. Humility. Pride before fall. That's how God gets me. Oh, maybe some of you remember. I can't remember when this one was, what century it was. It was either the beginning of this century or the end of last century. <laughs> well, how to date things, huh? But, you know, through my life, you know, I, I had always thought, I want to bleach my hair blonde. I've always wanted to do that. But I never did it because I always thought, what would people think? You know, I don't, what would they think of me? Well, it came to this one point in my life just before Christmas where I said, that's exactly it. What would people think? I should just do it and not worry about what they think. Right? So I'll never forget, I got, you know, Shelly, who was starting to be a beautician at the time. She had, wasn't one yet. She says, well, I'll bleach it for you. And so I, we went to her house, and she was bleaching my hair blonde, and she took the stuff off, and it was orange. <laughs> and then she tried to fix it, and it was green. <laughs> and we have, you know, in those days, we had huge outreaches on Christmas Eve. You guys, those who were around, you know. These, I mean, the whole city of Truckee came out, you know, a lot of people came out, the auditorium was packed, you know, and people are standing, I mean, it was full, and I got green hair, man, so I go, you need to go to beautician, I went and uh, sat with Beth, you know, she's a beautician, local beautician here, for like six hours, and she fried my head, and it was perfectly Billy Idol, you know, <laughs> and I thought, okay, it's cool, and then it's the, it's time to go to the you know, Christmas Eve service, and, and I was always the one that came out first and would pray and lead some worship to start it with, and I walk out, and this place is packed, and I walked out from behind the stage, and I walked out, and I looked out, and I looked out, and everybody was like this. <laughs> Humility. I was like, oh, no, and then, boy, stuff happened, but you know what, God, we think we're something. God has his way of humbling us, doesn't he? And he is opposed to the proud in pride. Look at what happened to Satan. I will, I will, I will, I will. And now he's going to be, I will, dropped in a lake of fire from pride. God hates it. The Lord is the one who lifts up. Listen to Psalm 138.6. For though the Lord is exalted, yet he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. He, he regards he, he, the lowly, the humble. In the prideful from a distance. I, I, I want to be close to the Lord. I, I want to humble myself to the Lord. I, I want him to lift me up. And not put me down. He knows them 
the prideful, but at a distance. See, if we spend our time trying to build ourselves up and to be something, then God spends his time taking us down. And we don't need for him to do that. Just humble ourselves before him. Remember the story Jesus taught about going to dinner at you know, the respectable man's place? And he said, you know, take the seat. Don't take the seat up in the front. Take the seat in the back. That's because if you go to the one in the front, that might be reserved for somebody else, and he might have to say, you know, you need to sit back there, and that would humble you. You have to get up from your seat and go to the back. It'd be better to be in the back and have him say, come up here and sit next to me. Let the Lord lift you up. Remember Isaiah? Isaiah was hanging out in the king's court. Probably, maybe, you know, possibly thought he was something. He was with the bigwig people, thought he was really cool. And then one day, guess what? He saw the Lord. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 6, 5. He, so he said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He was undone. You know, woe means I am in a bad place. When you see woe in the Bible... I am in a bad place. Maybe he thought he was something before that, and he realized when he saw the Lord, he's nothing. And that's the thing. The closer you and I get to Jesus, the more we realize, you know, we're nothing. You know what we are? We're a bunch of dirty, breathe life into. And, and he loves us. And he takes care of us. When I was younger and I was, thought I was something, and I ended up sitting in a jail for almost a year, you know what I realized? I'm nothing. You know, it's, it's hard to be sitting in the jail with a lot of pride, like, oh, I'm cool. Yeah. Well, that's how you walk in there. <laughs> I'm bad, you know. Had to do the bad thing so you didn't get beat up all the time, right? I realized that was nothing. And, and, and a man came in and, and reminded me of Jesus, and I rededicated my life to the Lord in that place. The Lord had to bring me down from where I was and put me in jail to get my attention. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to get hit on the head. In one of the most humbling times in my life, and, I, and it wasn't coming from a place of pride where the Lord was putting me down, but the, when I was paralyzed, and many of you were around when I was paralyzed in the hospital for two and a half months and two years of recovery and all that, in that place of, that was humiliating in a sense in the world. But you know what? In the Lord, it was wonderful. Because I learned so much in that place of brokenness, of humility. The Lord showed me who he was in a way that I never would have known if that didn't happen to me. And what did he do? He lifted me up. He lifted my wife and I up. He brought us out of that pit. Man, and he used us incredibly from that time on. Our life had never been the same. I was changed. Of course, you know, I still had the same personality. You guys know that. But my life changed. I was emptied of myself. I was broken. You know what? When you can't move, when you can't feed yourself, when you can't change your own clothes, when you can't go to the bathroom yourself, <laughs> you're emptied. It doesn't get much emptier. You know, you, you're, you're humbled in that place. And Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And we need to have that spirit of humility in our life, that spirit of brokenness. And the Lord loves it. And he meets us in that place. Lord, 
I need you and you got it. I need your mercy and you have it. In Luke 18, 9 through 14, go ahead and turn there if you'd like. There's a few verses there. Luke 18, verse 9, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He spoke this to those who were prideful, for those who really thought they were something. And he said, and they despised others. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't have to do any commentary on that one. It's right there. Let me give you a few Biblical examples now of being humble. Abraham, even though he could do and choose whatever he wanted, he let Lot take the best of the land. He humbled himself, said, Lot, you take it all. He put him first. He humbled himself. You take it. And God honored that. And God blessed him. And David, even though Saul was trying to kill him, And David just wanted to bless his king and serve his king. He said nothing evil about him. He took the place of humility. I will not touch God's anointed. And he humbled himself. And the guy was trying to kill him. He was throwing spears at him. And you would think, well, yeah, I should take him out, dude. He wouldn't do it. He humbled himself. That place of humility. And even in Paul, he was gentle with the ones who disrespected him. He still loved them. He stayed, kept that place of humility before those who disrespected him. And Jesus, when he was reviled, when they were coming against him, he did not return it. He did not talk badly about them. He did not put them down. You see, the humble, they don't boast in their self and they push their self Ahead of, other, ahead of other people. They don't defend themselves and have self-pity and congratulate themselves. They don't compromise to have peace at any price. But they think of others. They bless other people. In the scripture that we start off with there in 1 Peter, once again, 1 Peter verse 6 this time, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. You see, every one of us is flawed, and we all stumble, and we fall. But God is not flawed, and God knows what's best. So we humble ourselves before him, under his mighty hand. Well, what does that mean? That means under his protection. We are under God's protection. We are under his provision. He's going to take care of us if we come to that place of humility in our lives and submitting to one another, putting other people first. He's going to take care of us. It's going to work out. We're under his mighty hand. And 
There is not a mightier hand than his. Many times we spend a lot of time looking for help in other places first. Go to the Lord first in all areas of your life. And then, and then the Lord can use it. Say, for instance, in health things. You know, when something happens to me health-wise, I go to the Lord first. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go to the doctor because maybe the, God want, the Lord wants to use the doctor to minister to me, to help me. But I go to him first because he might just do it like this. I've seen healings. I mean, we've, we've had healings here in Truckee the years we're here in, in Sainbite in Belize, where we are now. We've seen people healed. I mean, not every day. You know, we're, we don't have a healing ministry. It's not, we're not, you know, doing that kind of thing. But when God moves and he heals, he heals. And I'll ask for healing any time, and I know God will heal. It's just a matter of his timing. He might heal right now, or he might wait till the person dies, but they're going to be healed. And that's how I pray. And he will take care of you. And guess what? That he may exalt you. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. That he may lift you up. That he might exalt you. In the, not yourself. And in his time. Not your timing. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And I would rather be lifted up than put down by God. Because <laughs> I've experienced both. And I tell you, being lifted up by God is far better. It really is. And so what do you do in verse 7 there of 1 Peter chapter 5? You casting all your cares, all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You cast. Casting all your cares upon him. Oh, John Corson, he had a great study one time and. I kind of remember some of it and put some of it, casting. You see, Peter was a fisherman. He knew what it was to cast. And those of you, you know, I was here, we were here for 32 years before God moved us out of here. And I loved to fish. You know, I didn't have much time after I became a pastor at Calvary Chapel. But before that, I loved to fish. And I casted, you know, they get trout out of the river all the time. It was fun. And, you, you know, you cast it out and you reel it back in, right? Well, casting, the Greek word, I don't speak Greek very well, so sorry about this, but eparipto. I speak Creole better. As a matter of fact, I was going to do a disclaimer when I started. If I didn't sound like I was very intelligent because of the way I talked, it's because I live in a village that speaks Creole. So I, you know, we say things like, we be there. Be that, you know. We talk differently, and sometimes it comes out. Sometimes I find myself speaking Creole, and people look at me, what would you say? What do you mean? You know? Can't you hear? This kind of comes out, so. Casting. It means like something that rolls off, but then rolls back. Like when you cast fish, and you reel it back. Sometimes you have a problem you don't know how to deal with. A burden, some trial in your life, something going on. So what do you do? You give it to the Lord. You roll it over to him. But then it seems to come back. Have you ever noticed that? You give stuff to the Lord, and then you take it back. You give stuff to the Lord and it comes back. It just doesn't go away. You keep casting it on him. Keep giving it to him. Laying it at his feet. Whatever that is in your life. But understand, it might feel good for a little while, but it might come back. And a lot of times it does. And most of the time I find out it does until it, finally God removes it completely. 
Remember the lady and uh, the Gentile woman in Matthew 15? Matthew 15. Go ahead and turn there. We'll just look at this one real quick. Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. This, this woman, you know, her, her, she's concerned for her daughter. And she had seen that people had been healed. And, and the way they were healed when they would come to him, that's the word they would use. And so she was using their language, their lingo, and, and almost, pretending almost like she was Jewish and she wasn't Jewish. But he did not answer her a word. And the disciples came and implored him, saying, send her, send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done to you done for you as you wish, and her daughter was healed at once. She came, giving her burden to the Lord, casting it upon him on verse 22, but the care came back. He didn't answer her. It was still there. and Because she, she was using that Jewish term. She was using what other people did. And sometimes when, we're, when we come to the Lord, we're trying to do it the way other people did it, or maybe the way the world did it. Instead of just coming to the Lord as who we are, in humility, Lord, I'm nothing, and I give this to you. Trying to manipulate him sometimes in, in the ways that other people had done things, thinking that's what will work. Oh, I've done it so many times, I think, in the past. And it came back. And, and the Lord, you know, there's a whole study here, I don't want to get into it, because... We're talking about humility here. But she, she gave it to him and it came back and then they went back and forth. It's like giving it and coming back. And then finally, the Lord says, man, you're, she was healed. And the Lord took care of it. And so we keep casting our cares. We keep giving, him, giving them to the Lord and letting him take care of that for us. Why? Because he cares for you. That's what it says. For he cares for you. He wants to hear from you. He cares for you personally, individually. He cares for you. He wants your cares, your anxiety, your stress. I get, sometimes I get so stressed I think I'm going to pop. I thought I was going to pop on the airplane the other day. Oh, what a trip coming here was. I was at one point, I said, I'm never coming back here again. You know, it was like that was, it was just one of those stressful airline things, you know, that happened to you and you're like, oh. I'm giving it to the Lord, but I'm taking it back. I'm giving it to the Lord and taking it back. And then we made it and went, oh, thank you, Lord. We got here. But it could be your kids, your finances, health, COVID stuff, your animals bringing you down, causing fear in your life. Cast them upon the Lord. Giving them to him. And he, and he says there in the word, he says, all. Well, this thing's really not that big. You know, he cares about the little details in your life and my life. I talk to him about everything. I mean, for everything. Because I've realized, I don't know if you realize this or not, 
but he's always with you. He's always there. Jesus is with me more than my wife. He's always there. So why not talk to him? Pray unceasingly. He's always there. He's there when you're at work. He's there when you're home. He's there. So you can cast those anxieties, those cares. You can give them to him, all of them, every one of them. Well, I don't want to trouble him. It's no trouble for him. He loves every detail, every little thing in your life. So you keep casting it to him. You keep giving it to him because he wants to just love on you. And when you do that, and even when they come back, what does that cause you to do? It causes you to cling to the Lord, doesn't it? I mean, just holding on to the Lord. And what did we have this last year? But holding on to Jesus. I, I always believe he's just holding on to us. We think we're holding on. <laughs> he's holding us, you know. But just staying in that place. I believe, personally, that things aren't going to get better. I look at my Bible, and if this is truly the end times, they're going to get worse. And you think, this pestilence is bad. This is probably nothing to what's coming. So we better be hanging on. We better be looking at the right place. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when those kinds of things happen, what does it say? It says, look up. Your redemption's drawing near. I've been waiting for some events that are happening in the world today since like 1973. Do you guys know that's last? Yeah, I see your face. Whoa. <laughs> did that exist? Yes, it did. And to look what's going on in the Middle East right now and, and go, wow. Man, I'm hanging on to you, Lord. Because at the same time, you know, you look forward to those things, but when, when you really think about it in reality, you go, it could be scary to think what's going to happen in these end times, the, the things that say in the Bible. Even if we don't get raptured real quick, because look what's, I didn't, what happened to us in this last year, I thought before these things started happening that we would be like long gone, and you guys, the younger people, would have to deal with it. But we're with you. So we got it, Lord, it's yours. And we have to deal with these things. We have to cast them on the Lord. And in humility, Lord, man, I'm nothing. And you're in control. You're in control of everything. You know, Jesus said tough things in, in the book of John. He said things that they didn't understand. But he did say this, and this is what I want to leave us with this morning. In John 14, 1 through 3, and we know it, but it's good to, be remember, to remember this. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Cast the cares upon him. And then I love the next part. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Did, did that make you smile? Wow. He's, what? What? You're going to prepare a place for me? You're, gonna, uh, you're, gonna, you're doing that for me, Jesus? Yes. And he's going to come and take us to that place. So while we are hanging out and waiting, 
Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Then in due time, he will lift you up in his time. And then one day, we're going to be with him forever. And none of this stuff is going to happen. And if we can keep our focus on that, and we can keep our focus on the finish line, keep our focus on Jesus, it's much easier. Whenever I look at my circumstances, poof, bummed. For me, my classic example when the Lord taught me that was when I was laying in a hospital bed and couldn't move. And whenever I looked, you know, I could, the only thing I could move was my neck. Some of you remember that. And so I could look down and go, I can't move. I'm paralyzed. I can't feed myself. I'm bummed. I mean, really, honestly, you know, what else, what else, what are you going to do? But if I would look up to Jesus, I would be okay. And I, keep, and I chose, I realized, if I keep my eyes on myself, man, I'm going to be bummed all the time. Because I couldn't walk. Couldn't do anything. But if I kept my eyes on Jesus, he filled me with his spirit. And he gave me a peace and a joy that went beyond understanding. That people would come to visit us in the hospital and they would walk away and minister to because God spoke to them. Because man, I were filled with peace and joy and I couldn't even move. And they were going, what's going on here? How's that happen? I don't know, man. That's the grace of God. And he can do that in your circumstances. He can fill you with his peace and joy as you look to him and keep your eyes on him. If we're looking out and we're looking at all the stuff that's going on, my goodness, we went to Walmart last night. Oh, that was, I couldn't even, never mind. I don't know if I ever want to go to Walmart again. I couldn't believe what was going on. This is not the same world I left two years ago here. It has changed. And I can look at that and go, Oh, bummer, bummer. I go, Jesus, you're in control. And keep my eyes on him. So I encourage you. You know, I, I pray that the, you know, the Lord would minister to your heart and something that was said here out of his word, not my words, but out of his word, would minister to your heart and help you with what we have today and what's coming. And as that happens and, and you do apply things in your life that God gives you, the world out there that desperately needs Jesus is going to see him in your life and pack this place out and you need a new building. <laughs> Just got this one. I know how that is. People are telling tell us that in Belize right now and say, you need, a, you need another building. And well, no. Can I die first? And the next guy comes along, he, he can build it. <laughs> but what your will be done, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you spoke somehow to us this morning, Lord, something that you would give us in our lives that we can put into our lives to be more like you, Lord, and to, to, to help others to know you in a way that they don't, to, that others would get saved through our lives because we walk with you and we love with you. Lord, it's only work that you can do. We can't do that. We can't manufacture that, Lord. It's your work, so have your way in our hearts and our lives. Even now, Lord, Search our hearts. If there's sin that needs to be dealt with, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, you would show that to us. We would confess it to you, and you would forgive us. Because that's why you came. And then, Lord, we thank you for that forgiveness. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and use us to minister your love to this fallen world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.